the stand my ground law also now applies to drones. <laughs> Planters was gonna come after him. I mean, think about the tariffs you yeah. could oppose on international <laughs> peanut trade. Exactly. Could have crippled the economy. Yeah. Right. And also bootstraps, Traps, just hilarious. to point out. Sorry, my hilarious. Thing. This hilarious. Is so funny. It was invented as like a joke because, because you can't lift yourself up by your bootstraps. It it's has not, the opposite meaning. Yeah, literally yeah, exactly. the opposite yeah, meaning. Exactly. It's like, what are you gonna do? Pull yeah. yourself up by your bootstraps? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't. It's like, you're trying you to lift do. yourself in the air by your shoe. Welcome back to Slightly Informed. I think this is the 18th or 19th episode. I think it's 18. 18. Uh, we're going back at it another week. We're of age. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we're back in it. In case any of you were interested. Oh, man. <laughs> So I think we're going to do a reading series at the beginning. Uh, McLean has a slightly improvised. Ugh. And Nick has a deep dive. So this should be an interesting episode this week. Let's go. All right. So yeah, normally hosts, John, Nick. McLean. Oh, hey. Sorry, and McLean. <laughs> I'm going to pass it off to him. Hi. All right. They were just supposed to say <laughs> hey Nick's like, who the fuck's Nick? <laughs> who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> I don't remember my All name. All right. So I'm starting with uh, a reading series. It's an article that came up probably about a week and a half ago. Um... I've been thinking a lot and talking a lot about tax subsidies and things like that, and I think this just might be an interesting way to tie it to the real world. So this article is titled The Eighth Wonder of the World, and it's by Josh Deziza. I probably butchered that, sorry Josh, but of The Verge. So it starts off. Hopes were high among the employees who joined Foxconn's Wisconsin project in the summer of 2018. In June, President Donald Trump had broken ground on an LCD factory he called the eighth wonder of the world. The scale of the promise was indeed enormous. A $10 billion investment from the Taiwanese electronics giant, a 20 million square foot manufacturing complex, and most importantly, 13,000 jobs, which is why new recruits arriving at the 1960s office building Foxconn had purchased in downtown Milwaukee were surprised to discover they had to provide their own office supplies. Quote, <laughs> one of the largest companies in the world and you have to bring your own pencil? An employee recalls wondering, maybe Foxconn was just moving too fast to be bothered with such details, they thought, as they brought their laptops from home and scavenged pencils left behind by the building's previous tenants. <laughs> they listened to the cries of coworkers trapped in the elevators that often broke, noted that water occasionally leaked from the ceilings, and wondered when the building would be transformed into the gleaming North American headquarters an executive had promised. The renovations never arrived. Neither did the factory, the tech campus, nor the thousands of jobs. Interviews with 19 employees and dozens of others involved with the project, as well as thousands of pages of public documents, revealed a project that has defaulted on almost every promise. The building Foxconn calls an LCD factory, about 1 20th the size of the original plan, is little more than an empty shell. In September, Foxconn received a permit to change its intended use from manufacturing to storage. <laughs> No. Yeah. So they're, they're not even doing anything with it. They bought a giant ass building We're for tax purposes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're just going to store shit there. Don't worry. But yeah, those jobs, totally. Um, it continues. It's not unusual for either the, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. I just took some snippets I thought were important. So if you want to read the whole article, it's actually very interesting. Um, it's not unusual for either the Trump administration or Foxconn to make announcements that prove hollow. Yeah. But for Foxconn, the show went on for two years. The company, aided by the vocal support of Wisconsin GOP, worked to maintain an illusion of progress in front of a business venture that never made economic sense. 
The illusion has had real costs. State and local governments spent at least $400 million, largely on landed infrastructure Foxconn will likely never need. Residents were pushed from their homes under threat of eminent domain and dozens of houses bulldozed to clear the property Foxconn doesn't know what to do with. Living and, under freedom, baby. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Imagine your like, family's like a fourth-generation farmer, and your house gets bulldozed for a factory. <laughs> that turns out to be a storage yeah, facility. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that they'd never actually use. It's the greatest allegory for America. Oh, man. Months after the 2018 groundbreaking, the company was racing to hire the 260 people needed to receive the first tranche of payments from the lucrative subsidy package pr- passed by then-Governor Scott Walker. Recruiters were told to hit the number, but given little in the way of job descriptions. Soon the office began filling with people who had nothing to do. Many just sat in their cubicles watching Netflix and playing games on their phones. The reality of the situation became impossible to ignore. Multiple employees recall seeing people cry in the office. The best is when you're in the elevator with somebody and they just scream out of nowhere, said an employee who experienced this several times. <laughs> They've had enough because things don't make sense here. So, so yeah, like... <laughs> It's like an episode of The Twilight Zone where you get this job in like a booming factory and you're told, yeah, just go find something to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, Yeah. so that is what (laughs) promising a tax subsidy with no promise of a job or promise (laughs) of, of production actually gets us. Okay, continues. Imagine being in a job where you don't really know if it's real or not. Or you know it's real... Or you know it's not real, but you don't know it's not real. It's a constant thing you're doing in your head day after day, said one employee who returned to the rented building Trump had spoken at, where workers had been assembling TVs, only to find the line shut down and the lights dimmed a couple of weeks after the photo op was over. I think all of us were on the verge of a major breakdown. So yeah, they staged this photo op at this factory, quote unquote factory, and then an employee <laughs> went back two weeks later and it's just completely shut down and the lights are dimmed. Oh my God. Yep. Oh, okay. It was just the beginning. Foxconn would spend the next two years jumping from idea to idea. Fish farms, exporting ice cream, storing boats, in an increasingly surreal search for some way to generate money from a doomed project. Frequent leadership changes, a reluctance to spend money, and a domineering corporate culture would create an atmosphere employees described as toxic. All people see is the eighth wonder of the world, said an employee. I was there, and it's not real. I mean, it's not. This is something I can't talk about ever again because people think you're crazy. Like, none of this could ever happen. How could this happen in the U.S.? (laughs) (laughs) So basically, Foxconn invented this fake like fake manufacturing plant to win favor from the Trump administration and then just realized, oh shit, it's not cost effective to produce anything there. What the fuck do we do? And then they talked about like fish farms, exporting expensive handbags to China, like hydroponics, like just any way they could do anything with that that area to make some sort of profit. If they only had the foresight and uh, and the engineering prowess of a WeWork, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> WeWork comes up here. Oh, don't, no. Don't even, oh, no. Don't even worry, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> they thought about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. So let's continue. Such a, uh, so the, the president of Foxconn is named Gao, so that's just some context. Such announcements are far from unusual for Gao, and often nothing comes of them. In Vietnam in 2007, in Brazil in 2011, in Pennsylvania in 2013, and in Indonesia in 2014, Foxconn announced enormous factories that either fell far short of the promises or never appeared. Just this year, the industry's minister of... Oh, shit, I can't say that. Maharashtra, India, was aggressively pursued uh, 
one of Gao's multi-billion dollar projects, finally confirmed the factory isn't coming, saying the state had learned a lesson about believing businesses promising big investments. <laughs> As Gao and Walker met over an early July visit to Wisconsin, the plan grew to nearly the size of both proposed factories. So they proposed uh, an LCD factory for like 10-inch screens and one for like or their 6th gen and 5th gen. So they compromised and said, fuck it, we'll build both factories, which is super not economically feasible. Yeah. And they promised either like 6,000 or 7,000 jobs, depending on which plan they went with. And then they were like, fuck it, 13,000 jobs, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the plan grew to nearly the size of both proposed factories combined, employing 13,000 people, and the state subsidy swelled from $1.5 billion to $3 billion, uh, according to correspondence obtained in a records request. No one, according to the source, examined whether, Foxconn was pro- whether what Foxconn was proposing was commercially viable. There was this assumption that they're one of the biggest companies out there, the source said. Surely they know what they're doing. Those were the numbers written onto a single sheet of stationery Walker signed on July 12th to kick off the deal. So no joke, there's a governor of Wisconsin stationery, and it literally says 3 billion subsidies, 13,000 jobs, and they both signed it. They're like, no, no details, no, no anything, nothing. Yeah. 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 Like, they're just like, this is it. We got it. Okay, the state of excu- uh, the state of affairs was obscured by the fact that Foxconn did seem to be doing something. It had bought buildings, moved dirt, and hired people. But this apparent progress, as well as much of the chaos that followed, can be explained by the company's distributed power structure. While Gao has likened good leadership to dictatorship, his empire is too vast to be governed alone. The company is composed of fluctuating number of around a dozen business groups, each responsible for a range of products. If the factory was meant to earn Trump's goodwill... Uh, the January incident showed that the company couldn't simply vanish as it had elsewhere. So basically they floated at the idea of basically like, oh, it doesn't seem economically viable anymore. We're out of here. And Trump was like, fuck that. (laughs) Like, you said factory. (laughs) (laughs) And then they had a talk, and he tweeted about how all the jobs were coming back to Wisconsin. Yeah, which is, like, important for Trump because Wisconsin is a swing state he narrowly won. Right. So, obviously, anytime he gets to brag about bringing jobs to Wisconsin is a win for him. Mm-hmm. And when Foxconn was just like, hey, we're out of here, <laughs> he was like, you No, can't. you don't. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't. You can't fucking do that. Oh, man. Employees at every level of the project were enlisted in a search for something anything Foxconn could do to generate revenue. So it was like, you're your hired... Your job became yeah. to find what your yeah, job was exa- going to be. Exactly. You're hired <laughs> off the street, and the company, instead of having a job for you, is like, hey, uh, I know you just graduated college, but why don't you go find some way we can make money? <laughs> okay. Okay, so then they brought in a new supervisor of uh, Foxconn, Wisconsin, who was named Young. So young employees say had always been more interested in various eccentric side projects than manufacturing. Chief among them were innovation centers. Uh, let's see, innovation. What does, what does that mean? Oh, let's define it. <laughs> <laughs> An innovation center, Young explained, would help inspire innovative ideas, catalyze cutting edge solutions, and play a key role in bringing a vibrant AI 8K 5G ecosystem. So that's, you just list four buzzwords. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say. <laughs> it's absolutely meaningless. <laughs> you got AI. 8K, I think, refers to the televisions. They're bumping from 4K to, to 8K. 8K. Yeah. And 5G is obviously the new internet thing. So he just listed a bunch of things and was like, got it, nailed it. Isn't 4K <laughs> a higher pixel d- density than like we can even perceive yeah. already? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Like 2K, 2K is, is like a 2K scam. 2K is around to, our yeah. top. Like, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Something like it's Okay. So it continues. And this is where we're bringing WeWork. 
Uh, in reality, the innovation centers were meant to be co-working spaces. Alan consistently <laughs> referenced WeWork and how we should be following that model, thinking it was brilliant, said an employee. <laughs> it was branded Blaze. And that, yeah, so Blaze uh, was supposed to be their WeWork competitor based out of Wisconsin, which in the deep, in the actual article, they dive deeper to the fact that it's Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't have co-working spaces built around tech in an area where there is no, no tech, tech, you yeah. know? Like, they were trying to invent this tech industry in Wisconsin, but... Which has education, yeah. manufacturing, and rural yeah, ag agriculture. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, economy. it's a cool state, but it's yeah. just like, it's not like... It, you, you're not the hustling and bustling. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so obviously, <coughs> Blaze had stalled out. And with Blaze stalled, employees began convening to discuss literally any other idea to make money. They searched for things in Wisconsin they could export to China. Cosmetics, designer handbags, ice cream, carp. Young asked them to drop a plan for building an aquaponic fish farm in Mount Pleasant. Having been inspired by a company in northern Wisconsin... Wisconsin and reasoning that Foxconn had access to cheap water the state provided for LCD manufacturing. They briefly explored doing something with esports, maybe sponsoring a gaming team that could use the empty innovation centers, according to one source. A plan to export dairy to China got as far as a meeting with Wisconsin Department of Agriculture before collapsing. <sighs> Esports? They, they literally. That's so amazing. Like I, a building I, yeah. that was supposed to be the eighth wonder of the world. The eighth wonder of the world is now going to be it's a this 15 giant person circular glass dome. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the yeah, pictures. Yeah, and it's they did like it's a cool looking building, but they had zero plans for it. Yeah. So now everyone in the company's job became scramble for something we could fucking do because obviously Ooh. Trump's not just going to let us fucking dip, and we don't want to just keep burning money on a pile in Wisconsin. So find out a way to at least make it <laughs> less devastating. This money we're losing. <laughs> oh my. God. Uh, yeah. So this is a quote from Chris, who was an employee who asked to only go by his first name. I just realized there was no there there. Now, whenever I see them in the news, I laugh and flip the channel because I just don't believe any of it. I just wonder at the end of the day, what was their end game? What did Foxconn get out of it? Why the elaborate statewide charade? Uh, meanwhile, employees dispatched in search of business ideas that had worked... Oh, in search of business ideas, had worked out deals and partnerships with local companies only to have Foxconn leadership not move them forward. Eventually, they started running into bridges that prior Foxconn delegations had already burned. Every place we tried to go, somebody from Foxconn had already been there and they'd already pissed them off, said an employee. So they had this rotating barge of employees because people would realize it's all fucking scam and dip. And then every time they would uh, approach a company to... Uh, find some collaborative effort with to try to make money all these wisconsin locals were like fuck you no we've already dealt with foxconn you guys are full shit they even i think i didn't put it in here but they even asked a, a guy in wisconsin he was some sort of manufacturer there and they asked him for ten thousand dollars to do an explorative dive into his company to see if they wanted to partner with him so they asked <laughs> you just for 10 grand to see if maybe we'll look at partnering with you oh and the guy God. told him like no fuck off and die um so this is where i'll wrap it up no one wanted to believe promises like this more than the people who went to work for Foxconn in Wisconsin. They each came to regret different things. The wasted times, the jobs they'd left, the integrity loss, making deals and offering jobs only to have the company change course. But one common theme was frustration that it hadn't turned out to be real and that long after they'd learned the truth, they saw the facade still standing. There are a lot of good people who fell for this, said one employee shortly before departing a job at Foxconn who wanted to see it succeed. We got screwed, another employee said. The state got screwed. Well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't want to make that way too fucking long. But there was another section where they went into where Foxconn uh, 
decided to hire people who are exclusively on H-1B visas. Of course. Because they need a job for them to stay in the U.S. And then they basically held them as trapped labor. Yeah. Because they were like, well, if we fire you, you're getting deported back to China. And I could do that in an instant. I could fucking fire you right now. So they fucking trapped people on visas. Just be like, either work here or it's China, bitch. What do you want? You know? Like, Great system. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the most <laughs> fucked up thing. And then the state give them, gives them hundreds of millions of dollars. And literally, uh, all the company has been trying to do is try to scramble to hire people to put on payroll to get the subsidy money. They're not actually producing anything. They're not actually doing anything. They're just getting money from the state to put people on payroll. And so uh, the the payroll, the amount of people on payroll is only evaluated once a year. So essentially Foxconn has been going on this three-month binge to hire as many people as they need. Like it was a few hundred and I think now you're up to like close to a thousand. So they try to hire all these people and then lay them off at the beginning of the year, get all their subsidy money, and then re-scramble again at the end of next year to hire the number of people they need. Oh, my God. Yeah, because it's not, it's not the amount of people over the year. Like, they, the state of Wisconsin looks at it at the end of the year and says you have X amount of employees at X wage. And, like, uh, essentially equates that to the whole year. So Foxconn, all they're doing is hiring and firing, hiring and firing, not producing anything, and just trying to get their $3 billion from the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> So, I don't know, John. This this sounds like it must be an isolated uh, incident. <laughs> yeah, this has never happened before. Uh, Foxconn internationally must have a really great reputation. Yeah, a great care for their workers. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna just turn that over to you as to okay. what what you know about Foxconn <laughs> in general. I will explain how much they care about their workers. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for it. They saw a rise in suicidality in their employees. And they responded naturally. Quickly. That's concerned. Naturally, yeah, naturally, it was concerned. Naturally, naturally would, they were concerned. You would take steps to improve mm -hmm. work conditions. They wanted would, to make sure the suicide stopped. So you and so to address life, that, you know. oh, do you? Yeah, do you do yeah that? that's what yeah. you do, right? So, right? I'm assuming that's <laughs> what you're going to say. So to stop the suicides, they installed nets on the side of all the buildings <laughs> and in the stairwells. <laughs> so, so, you, so you couldn't fall more than a few floors without getting caught by a net. <laughs> it's the most fucked up garbage I've ever oh. heard of. Oh, oh man. man. Uh yeah, another part of uh another part of the article talks about how one of the like the fucked up leaders to take over Wisconsin uh Foxconn forced all the people to watch uh American Factory, which is that documentary <laughs> produced by the Obamas on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And the documentary is all about how fucked up the distinction between like like the Chinese workers think the Americans are fat and lazy just because they want to be paid a fair wage and not have to pick up like glass with their bare hands. Yeah. So like the the runner of the Foxconn company was saying like you need to watch this to understand like how good you guys have it. And everyone watched <laughs> it and were like, is this what you guys are trying to do here? Because this is real fucked. <laughs> So, yeah, everything they did just fucking backfired. And Foxconn is like, yeah, overall real scummy company. So, but they're involved in so much, they're like impossible to avoid. Like, there is. It's a, like Nestle. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. They make it very difficult to avoid their products because they're like Apple's number one supplier. Like, they, mm -hmm. su they supply basically like almost all of the LCD screens. Yeah, it's like 80% of with. screens. Yeah. Like, something yeah. like that. If you have a touchscreen at McDonald's, it was probably made by Foxconn. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and I wanted to spin that, um, and I, the reason I wanted to do that reading series two was just like overall, I'm pretty anti-tax subsidy because outside of just this one incident, you have like 
the oil and gas industry receiving billions in subsidies. Yeah. Uh, pharmaceutical companies receiving billions in subsidies. So we, the taxpayer, front the bill for these companies to fuck us over. Yeah. And somehow that's looked at as a win. As opposed to even in like a free market economy, you wouldn't subsidize businesses. Right. You would say hey, you either make a product that is profitable enough to survive or you don't. You don't hand them $4 billion and say, good luck, have fun. Honestly, I just think we need to give the federal government enough teeth because against a state government, yeah. they're looking at it as if like, how am I going to win my next election? Well, and that's what they talked about was it, it was uh, Governor Rick Scott was up for re-election. Trump Great had guy. just won election. Yeah. Uh, Speaker Paul Ryan was in that district. Right. So the, the essentially Foxconn looked at it and were like, fuck, we can help the Republicans win a bunch of these and they'll just give us free shit. So they went in and yeah, like you said, the state governor was like, I need to win re-election, so if I say I'm bringing in 13,000 new well-paying jobs, yeah. that'll be like a, a gimme. And they had another bit where Rick Scott obviously lost his re-election, and the, the the Democrats came in and tried to like get some oversight on it, which the GOP uh, Senate in their state just voted down like right off the bat to have any <laughs> oversight of Foxconn, because the GOP in that state is still claiming it's like a big victory. And they had one of the GOP spokesperson come out and were like, I just don't get why the governor of this state is rooting so heavily against Foxconn bringing in all these jobs. <laughs> trying to frame it as like, <laughs> the Democrats are trying to shut out Foxconn, and if it turns out to not work out, it's all the Democrats' fault. Yeah. And it's like, it's fucked from the beginning, man. Like they, like like the lady said in this article, it's not economically viable to bring in LCD production. Like it's already a very thin margin industry. So you bring it to America, where the labor costs are way more than they are overseas, and there's no local glass suppliers. So you yeah. have to convince those people also to bring their jobs into America. Otherwise, you're just shipping that shit all over the world. Yep. It made zero sense from the front, and that's why these companies like Foxconn turns around and is like, "What can we do? Is there anything we can do to not?" Eat all of this money like what <laughs> like how can like they agreed to create 13,000 jobs without real like putting any effort into looking into whether they could actually support 13,000 jobs I think the other thing is that like it, there's like this idea in in politics or in the po political circles that like you have to spend money to get jobs here you have to entice yeah. companies so like Amazon the richest man in the world by a long yeah. shot, uh -huh. uh, uh, was wanting, what do you say, like three and a half billion dollars uh, yeah, from, from, New, York, four, from New, York. New York? Yeah, yeah. and so all these people were like, AOC thinks she's great because she took on Amazon, yeah. but, what, but what about the potential for 4,000 new jobs in the city and 12,000 yeah. new jobs in the state at a new headquarters. What about all that gentrification? Yeah, We'd love to see it, boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's yeah. like they still ended up going there. Yeah. They I, still uh, got yeah. contracts there with zero subsidies. Yeah. The, the company goes where it wants to go. Yeah. It's just trying to play the argument of like, well, we might move to Iowa. Yeah, like, exactly, you know? exactly. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, you won't, you won't. Fucking yep. do it. Help Des Moines. I don't give a shit. Yeah, go for but, it. But yeah, but they know they wanted to be in New York, so they were just trying to get free $4 billion to be in New York. Yep. And when that was shut down, they were like, fine, we'll go to New York anyway. I just won't build my helicopter pad. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the company's going to do what it wants either way. And what's most economically feasible, and being in New York is a great idea. Yeah. So they did it anyway, regardless of the subsidies. Yeah. Yeah. The best way to gain this kind of leverage is to actually build up your economy by making people able to afford the food on their plate, the house they live in, yeah. have a job that pays them well enough, and then, bam, all of a sudden you have a thriving economy like New York, like New yeah, York State. It's almost interesting that the economy works when people 
have money to buy shit. It's almost like crazy? money has to move around yeah. a little Isn't bit that crazy? for there to be yeah. an economy. Isn't it crazy that there's only so many pillows that Jeff Bezos can buy? He's not just because he has two hundred billion dollars doesn't mean he's buying two hundred thousand TVs. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, that's not the way money works. That's real crazy to think about. Um, I have a tangential scam that I wanted to bring up related to this. Uh, that there's money that's being set aside for conserving land, conservation efforts, mm-hmm. and so you get a percentage of what the land is valued at if you agree to not do anything with the land. Yeah. So what billionaires have been doing, famously, very honest and generous people. Uh, That's how they got there, yeah. man. The, so what, what, they're, what they've been doing recently is buying up, let's say, like $2 million in like undeveloped land in like rural Arkansas or whatever, yeah. and pretending they're going to build like a manufacturing plant on it. So, so the value of the land, <laughs> the value of the land skyrockets to like $15 million, And they're like, well, we, I think we'll conserve it instead. And then it's not based off the $2 million price. It's based off of the current value of $15 million. So they bought it for two. They pocket the thirteen and just like, well, conservation. We love to see it, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the market, guys. This is great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's beautiful how when you have money, you can scam and get more money. And it's just not even a problem because you have an army of lawyers who will make sure you never spend a day in prison. And it's four shell companies underneath you. So yeah. at worst, one of those gets closed down, but it doesn't actually touch you. So yeah, We live in a corporate autocracy uh, pretending it's a democracy. Yeah. Well, Hell so, yeah. Yeah. Have socialism for the rich and, and then rugged, uh, rugged individualism yeah, for, the for, for the poor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. So that's my reading series. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think I'll use this as a as a segue into mine then because it definitely falls in line with the theme. Mm. Uh, you guys might have heard the speech Trump gave uh, to reassure the American people that he's very healthy and has kicked COVID's ass. Um, That's been a mainstay in all of his recent speeches. Oh yeah, he has to. He has to talk about how like, good he I, feels. I could beat it with only a hundred thousand dollars in I socialized feel, medicine. I feel good. I could beat Tyson in his prime. Yeah, yeah. I could beat him in the ring. You don't I even know. I feel better than I've ever felt, <laughs> even in my twenties. <laughs> so, he mentions the um, fairly innocuously the uh, the drugs he was treated yeah. with while in uh, the world's best socialized medicine. Yeah, Walter uh, Reed. Yeah, Walter Reed uh, Hospital. A military hospital paid for by the taxpayers. Paid for by us. Uh, and he mentions remdesivir and... And Regeneron, Regeneron. which is a cool name. Regeneron is a pretty cool name. Yeah. It sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> in, or, the, in the Regeneron yeah. plan. Or like a drug in a comic that gives you superpowers. <laughs> He's on Regeneron. He's well, running out of powers. He needs to take more Regeneron. Regeneron. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But... Um, but yeah, he mentions remdesivir and, and Regeneron, and uh, I actually th- I think they might both be on. I didn't actually look up Regeneron before this, but I know remdesivir was uh, produced um, with our money again mm-hmm. uh, by Gilead. Yeah. Now Gilead has a storied history. They've they've been um, put on the burner quite frequently um, uh, as far as like public opinion and stuff like that. They are price gougers. They do a lot of things. I mean, they're a pharmaceutical company. That's yeah. all you got to know. Um, but anyways, Trump, on top of mentioning this, owns anywhere from a hundred thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of uh, international claims to stock in um, Gilead. Yeah. Now I don't know if you guys. Uh, Is it only two hundred fifty thousand? I thought it was a hundred to a hundred. 
I thought it was like up to a million. Who fucking knows? He I think I think that's I think that's how much he has up to a million in pharmaceutical uh, stocks. But this it is specifically Gilead. Exactly, exactly. So who knows what else is out yeah. there? Um, but yeah, um, essentially, did you guys ever hear about what they made Jimmy Carter do when uh, when he yeah. was getting elected president? Yeah. He had to sell his peanut farm. You know? A the, peanut the farm. The conflict of interest in the peanut industry is very <laughs> strife, Nick. He could have... He could have... Planters was going to come after him. I mean, think about the tariffs yeah. he could have posed on <laughs> international peanut trade. Exactly. <laughs> could have crippled the economy. Yeah. Um, yeah. They made oh, him sell God. his peanut farm, yet Trump is allowed to own stock in Gilead. He's still in charge of his own company. He never officially divested it. Exactly. He said he was going to yeah. and pass he, it to his he son. S- he stepped down from yeah. day-to-day <laughs> operations. Yeah. That's all he yeah. did Yeah. in no. the Trump company. Yeah. Like, absolutely insane. Yeah. Now, another thing that Gilead did, which was really cool, um, as they notably tend to do uh, in privatized medicine, is um, they got a quote. Uh, from their own internal studies, published these internal studies too. Very bold. I, I like how brazen they are. That yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do <laughs> yeah, about exactly. it? We own everyone. You exactly. everyone in charge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, it's a big club, and you ain't in it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, they they in their own internal studies, they found that the price that they would have to charge uh, in order to turn a profit uh, for remdesivir, you know, something that saves people's lives in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah was $10 per vial, which so they, a treatment it would be about 15, $50 to $100. They listed at 15 because they were like, you know, 50% profit. That's, right, yeah. We'll give a you a know, fair amount. Exactly. The line of profit yeah. was 10 you know. Yeah. They're going to list it for 15 you know, you got to keep the lights They're going to scrape it off the top, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. It's a uh, national crisis. Yeah, yeah. Let's but, just try to help. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what most people would think they did. Yeah. Um, no, they, char- they are charging people. $300 per vial. Now, the average patient patient, and the minimum level of treatment is five vials. Mm. So if you're doing that math, $1,500. So, For something that costs 50 Exactly. Exactly. Uh, $1,500 to $3,000 oh, for treatment. money printing facility. Exactly. And what that means as far as how Americans can afford this, and if you remember the unemployment rate skyrocketing, meaning people are kicked off of their insurance mm. in the middle of a pandemic. That's great. Forced into riding an Uber and Lyft where they still don't have insurance to try and pay for. Um, if you guys remember that stat, a $400 emergency, how many Americans can afford that? Less That's... than four in 10. Yes, yeah. yes. So six out of 10 Americans cannot afford to catch the pandemic virus that's no, plaguing the world. Yeah. The Wuhan flu. The, yeah. the, Chinese, <laughs> the China flu. virus. The yeah. Kung flu. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> oh, uh, another interesting thing I, I heard about remdesivir uh, is it's only applied intravenously, which means it's only applied in a hospital setting, right. which means the only people who can get access to it outside of the incredibly wealthy is when you're literally on death's door. That's right. when they get to try something like this to save their life. That's cool. Yeah. The rest of us... And Trump came out, like, literally no plan in place, which isn't surprising for Trump, but he said, you guys will get free treatment of all the drugs I was on. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's socialized medicine. Yeah. And you, like, no, yeah. He was speaking to Canadians in yeah. that, than that. And he was not speaking to us. It was just interesting that he just made, I mean, 
again, it's Trump. It is what it is. But just zero plan in place, like no executive action, even definitely yeah. no bills in the Senate. Like, but he just claiming like, "Don't worry, I caught it and kicked it with these drugs. I'll make sure you get all these drugs too, and it'll be free. It'll be free, and it'll be the greatest thing you've ever." Eaten. Like, <laughs> we're gonna have the best medicine. Yeah, exactly. It's cost you zero dollars. Exactly. That's what he claimed to the American people. But again, it's intravenous, so you have to be in a right. hospital setting to get it, unless you are like the president who just gets it in the Oval Office because he fucking can't. Right. You know? Now, because he has a doctor just for him. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know your designated doctor, right? <laughs> That's something we all have. <laughs> yeah, he lives in he lives in the one of the yeah. spare bedroom. I love yeah. when the free hand of the market can decide whether or not I live or die from the virus. That's actually the favorite part about living here. But I also think the most... Uh, appealing approach we could spin like medicare for all as to the right wing is essentially what a what's going on now but also don't care about human life so they wouldn't care but b essentially like entrepreneurial rates and the rates of switching jobs are way low because people are so fucking scared about healthcare that they don't want to leave their job and start a new business. You don't want to start a new business because yeah. then you have to figure out how your employees' healthcare, where you pay like sixty. Yeah, it's not a very it. nimble you economy. Could, you could maybe speak to that a little bit, John. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just switched jobs and I'm healthcare free for like sixty days. Yeah. Unless I want to pay like two thousand dollars for Cobra every month. And sometimes that's on yeah. the low end. Yeah. Sometimes you're on a six month or a or a ninety day. Oh, my coworker showed month, me yeah. his bill. I think for me it was actually going to be like twelve hundred. But I'm making two grand a month, so that's like sixty percent of it gone right back. But my coworker showed me his bill, and uh, he's getting—I think it was something like thirty-five hundred for his family, his family of four, because he's on Cobra too, because he just switched jobs. And it's like thirty-five hundred bucks. You're starting a new job, and it's like thirty-five hundred bucks a month. Yeah, a month, a month, and that's just—and he has to do it right because he has a wife and kids, so it doesn't matter. Like he's got to pay the bill because what if his kid breaks his leg or something? You know, he's got to get fixed. Yeah. Like luckily for me, I'm a twenty-something guy, so I'm just fingers crossed I don't get any weird infection in the next sixty days because I got Jack. You know, that's what I did. Yeah. Right. I switched jobs. Wore a helmet and bubble wrap yeah, every day. Exactly. I switched jobs, and then like three weeks, four weeks later, we went into lockdown. I was like, this is fucking great. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm going to fucking die. Yeah. Do you guys want to know, I mean, um, as far as people who are either unemployed or employed without benefits, what what percentage of the country would you give a ballpark guess to What I'd right now? 30 or 40. McLean? Oh, right, right now? now in the pandemic? Yeah. Uh, a little higher. I'd guess for, for 40 or 50. 54.5% of Americans either have no That's employment, what... underemployment to a level where they don't receive benefits, or are forced to working in the gig economy where, you guessed it, they don't get benefits. That's what I was going to guess, but you interrupted. <laughs> you didn't let me guess. I'm going to say 54. Well, I also think it's fun because, like, the way the way Donald Trump won in 2016 was taking the populist lane, but now all these these populist programs are pulling above 60 percent, and they're still not hopping on the bandwagon. Right, like you could spin it in a Republican fun way, totally. You know, but though like these taking the programs, burden off of off a yeah, of business too. Exactly, then exactly. that business is only That's paying why an even tax. Exactly, yeah. and oh, like if you want to start a business, don't worry about your health care exactly. or your employees' health care. Just worry about how to get them paid. We got the health care part covered, and know? then they'll figure out what yeah. what portion of tax you can afford exactly. to contribute to that. Yeah, yeah, straight up. 
yeah, so I think you could spin these in ways that are, like, understandable and adoptable to the right wing. They just don't respond to, like, socialized medicine. Right. So you have to explain it in a way that's like, well, the, the state takes care of it so that it's easier to switch jobs, take better jobs in the future, pursue opportunities and starting your own business or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's... I think we need a two-pronged approach on a lot of stuff. I think I think we the left underestimates the the value of of marketing your your product. You, you, you got to think of your 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 propositions as a product. It has to be sold. You know that guy Anand something? Yeah, Anand Jirahardis. Yeah, so he's, he went on uh, Yang Speaks Yang's podcast. Yeah, and he basically was talking about how it's honestly kind of incredible that the Republicans are as successful as they are. And he was talking about how it's like uh, an, an intellectual masterpiece, even if it's like horrifying. Yeah. It's like they, no, it really is. They have, he's basically, he went, uh, he went to discuss and he was basically saying like, they have to take a policy that essentially benefits like one to 3% of the populace mm -hmm. and spin it and market it in such a way that greater than 50% or in a lot of times in their gerrymandered district, at least 40 some odd percent agree with it. Yeah. So he's saying you need to get like essentially like a 30 to 50 fold adoption rate on your dumb ideas. And then Democrats have all these ideas which pull above 60%. And we somehow like fumble the ball every time yeah. and fuck it all up. And he he was talking about it as like intellectual laziness, yeah. where you just get the elite holier than thou who are like our policies are the correct ones, and if you know what's good for you, you will vote for it. Yeah, you don't know? You, yeah, you, you, uh, we're better than the people exactly. who want you to starve to death exactly. on the street. Isn't that enough? Yeah, but you don't have any sort of marketing or anything approach like like it's similar to what Yang did with calling it the freedom dividend. Yeah, like that just that's dope. You know, like you can if you tag something as freedom something, like Americans love that. Shit. Jump on the bo yeah, on board they eat instantly. that shit up, you yeah. know. Like, <laughs> I think there's a real opportunity for entryism too. Yeah, where people run on Republican tickets as populists. Now okay. you'll have to you'll have to compromise some cultural issues depending on your region. Some areas you won't. Some areas like Orange County, they're Republican, yeah. but only for taxes. That's yeah. all they care 100%. about. Yeah, or 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 other like right wing things like that. But yeah. they're not they're not in the culture war. Orange County yeah. doesn't care about the culture war. Yeah. And I think even then you could run on right wing right wing populism and on social issues plug libertarianism. Right. I mean that's yeah. essentially what I've thought about in Idaho. Just hands off. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like I don't give a shit about abortions. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a positive thing, yeah. but I also don't think it's any of the government's business. Yeah. Also marriage, don't care. Yeah. None of my business. Yeah. Go get married to a fish. Have fun. You're not, you're not getting any tax breaks, asshole. Yeah. You know, like no one is. It's yeah. not the government's business. Drugs, not my problem. You say you're married, you're married. Yeah, exactly. Cool. cool. More power to you, bud. You don't get a sweet piece of paper from a government. No one does. Yeah. Same with like drugs. Like, I don't care. Smoke whatever you want in your backyard. Yeah. Don't drive on it. Yeah. That's already that's already, already illegal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like the 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 trans bathroom thing. Like, well, what if they touch my kids? Well, that's illegal. That's already illegal. Yeah. What if they whip their dick out in the women's restroom? That's, oh, that's illegal. illegal. Oh, oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's all this fear mongering, but I I think there is something to the effect that Democrats are really bad at explaining things in a way the right wing understands, which right. I think speaks to some of the success of Bernie and even like a candidate of Yang, yeah. where they had like 30% buy-in from the right because they don't talk down to them like idiots. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, look, these are policies that can benefit you. I know we won't agree on everything, but let's get some framework changed. And that's even something I've done with like some right wing friends is just like, look, whatever, whatever's happening now sucks. 
So let's just give it a shot. Yeah. If 10 years down the line we realize UBI was a dumb idea and everyone's just a slob on their couch playing video games, fuck it. We'll sure. call it off, you yeah, know? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's, like, It's much easier yeah. to rip out than it yeah. is to like... But status quo sucks. Yeah. So let's just do something different. And if we find out it was the wrong thing, hey, you know what? We'll try again. Because status quo is not tenable. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to exist in this reality like this. Well, that's why you keep hearing people saying like... Yeah, Trump is kind of an idiot and sucks, but but the economy, yeah. like that's literally just a justification. The economy isn't good. The economy is no. good for people who were already well, we talked comfortable. About this before. We've talked. What does the economy mean? Because when Trump talks about it, he's saying the stock market yeah. is good. Yeah. And when other people on the left talk about the economy, they're saying how, how easy is it for jobs. you to pay your bills? Yeah. You know. So we and have even to... the stock market could be volatile. If the stock market volatile, you can still have people whose long-term investments in property and things like that are are increasing in value, and they might say to them, "The, the economy's, economy's great." Yeah. But no one can feed their families. Yeah. And everything else is like hitting the fan. Yeah. Like that's the I economy agree. right there. It's just yeah. so little people who fact checked such such a statement. Well, like I said, the it's hard to fact great. check. Well, how many vague, people? It, yeah. How many people could define? You ask just, uh, you know, uh, 50 people. Yeah. What makes a good economy? What the fuck are they? I feel like a lot of them are going to say stock market because that's, it's just things people Enough don't supply for the jobs. demand. Yeah, exactly. uh, people don't yeah. have a, uh, a good enough understanding of it. So then it's they easy to say up. the yeah, economy is good. They oh. heard someone say the economy is good, yeah. so the economy is good. I think to lower class people, it means how easy is it to pay, for, to pay my bills. Right. And to upper class people, it means how good is my portfolio doing? Yeah, whether that's rental business or rental income or stock income or whatever, it's like. Well, I don't even think it's that. Aren't we not even in the top fifty countries in the world in economic uh, mobility? I think it's like that 67th. Were we ranked sixty seventh on the American Dream stat? You know, a great GDP, but again, most of that just gets diluted to the top. The way they calculate GDP is hilarious too. Yeah, how do they do it? Oh, like there's just so many like. I mean, there's just no good way to do it without it costing like hundreds of thousands well, also, of dollars to survey not to correctly. Overly plug gang, but hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, like per. No, per, I think like, I think GDP is just like, like the amount of like economic things we produce divided by the amount of people. So it's like, yeah. So it, I think it's relatively easy. And to, it's not even things produced; it's things that exchange hands. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean anything as far as like how. How easy it is to pay your bills, or like right. how easy it is to get a new job, or percentage of home ownership, or percentage of people killing themselves currently, or anything. Like it doesn't measure any of the things your average citizen would count as a good economy. Well, well think know? about it this way: what if so? So say this way as a as a as a tangible example. Say we make a, a, a microchip in Austin, Texas, and that gets shipped over to Mexico, where they put a circuit board with that microchip. Yeah. And then they ship that back over into an, into Wisconsin, yeah. where they're building the out, outlining frame and all of the hardware for a TV, where they then ship it somewhere else to another country to handle the software and distribution, and then it comes back to America. That is all, like, a lot of that stuff is counted, like, four times, five well, times. Another example, too, they always bring up is, like, self-driving trucks become a thing in 10 years. Yeah. They produce... A trillion dollars in economic boom, a hundred thousand people get laid off. You still count that as a plus in GDP because a thousand dollars or a trillion dollars of growth was just created. Right. It had, <laughs> and you still divide by the same amount of people because whether they they're jobless or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're still in America. So that would technically count as a boost to GDP. GDP would be way up 
but the struggles of everyday average Americans is going to be significantly worse. But but GDP is way up, you know? Yeah. It's a terrible measuring system. And even the guy who made it up said, you shouldn't measure your economy with this. Yeah. This is a terrible way to measure things. Yeah. This this is one rough measurement to give you an idea of how you're, like how much products or, or growth you're producing in America. And they say 29% of economic exchanges in the U.S. are like non-market exchanges, like non-legal exchanges, other things like that that are realistically their gdp yeah whether or not we consider them legitimate doesn't make them non-economic activity but gdp doesn't count that so like there's so many taxes on illegal activity yeah but that doesn't make it part accounted in the gdp either yeah Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like it's still not part of it it's just funny the irs don't want their cut yeah they're like "Mm, yeah (laughs) we'll still get you for drug dealing but you won't go down for tax evasion Well, I, I saw someone talk about the way that they redefined um, unemployment numbers. So you know that the unemployment rate right now is supposedly 8.9% yeah. or something like that. But we talked about earlier, it's 54% if you include people who don't... Underemployed. Underemployed, yeah. under, in, and people who want to work full-time but are working part-time. Yeah. Uh, people who aren't actively seeking work but it, would, it, so would be working in economic conditions. Such bullshit. I think it's six months. Yeah. If you haven't looked for new employment opportunities in six months... You just drop just, off the chart. Yeah, you're not on the chart. Yeah. Even if that's because you're like in your trailer, drinking yourself to death, or, or whatever. Other, yeah, like, yeah, you're just like, giving up hope. Like, I could see... I, and I've talked about this before, but imagine you're like a low-skilled worker and you lose your like truck driving job yeah. because it went to a giant chain and you can't find a new truck driving job. We turn around and legit tell these people, we're under code. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> dude's like a 50-year-old guy who's driven a truck since he was 24. I'm not doing that yeah, shit. Exactly. I'm not going to Micron. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, what do you want to be like a front-end developer eight months from now after devoting 40 hours a week to like code academy and shit mm-hmm. like that's not happening man like and the the origin of them redefining this is, is is even funnier too as far as how it relates to now um it was 1878 they redefined it um basically they they sat in a room for as long as they could to find the best way that they could define unemployment so that the public was not you know ready to boil over like other places oh, yeah. were worker uprisings were on the rise uh labor power was up all that kind of stuff yeah and essentially um they they sat down because it was on it was on a, they were on a five years since the night or the 1873 um depression it was yeah. like the first depression in the u.s and it was a major one I mean, it was almost as big as the Great Depression. And they were still feeling the hurt from it five years later. And pretty much everything was about to boil over. The people were about to start demanding way, way more of the Mm. economic activity that was going on around them. And instead of doing something about the economy... They never do anything. They they redefined it. They changed the rules to say things aren't as bad. Exactly. And the media shoves that down your throat Mm -hmm. 24-7. And then you're like, wait... But things seem rough. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're really telling me it's 3% unemployment? Oh, wow. You're telling me that? Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, and they just expect you to buy it? It's, it's fucking wild, man. I can't... Yeah, I have... I like... I don't know. It just... The deck is always stacked against you. Yeah. The, I, I think that's, the, like, the moral of the story and what we bring up a lot here is, like, the deck is stacked against you. You have... Whether you know it or yeah, not or exactly. acknowledge it or not. Exactly. And I think it's a lot of times hard to acknowledge if you're in a position of being very comfortable. Yeah. Like, you don't want to acknowledge the rules are rigged when you've won. Like Because no then it delegitimizes no, yeah. Yeah, your success. It de- yeah, it delegitimizes you. your win. Yeah. You know, if you think, like, oh, I've lifted myself up by the bootstraps, and now I'm in this very comfortable position in society, anyone can do it. You know, then to turn around and say, 
oh, you know, I was given some breaks by my parents and like, you know, like I, I, I got into a good school cause I was legacy. And like it, if, if you admit that the rules are all, all rigged, you can't come out and use your bootstraps analogy anymore. Right. And also bootstraps, Traps, just hilarious. to point out, Sorry, my hilarious, favorite thing. This hilarious. Part is so funny. It was invented as like a joke because, because you can't lift yourself up by your bootstraps. It's it had not, the opposite meaning. Yeah, it, Literally yeah, exactly. the opposite yeah, meaning. Exactly. It's like, what are you going to do? Pull yeah. yourself up by your bootstraps? Exactly. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't. It's like, trying you to can't lift do. yourself in the air by your shoe. Think That's about not, it. Yeah. Think about it for just yeah. a second. It started as like a jokey playoff of like, oh, you guys are so, you think I'm just going to pick myself up by my bootstraps? And they and turned it yeah, into, they well, turned why it don't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Why doesn't everyone just turn around and pick themselves up by the bootstraps, you know? Oh, it's fucking wild. Oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah. So, I don't know. Things are rough. Pharmaceutical companies suck. Yeah. It is, I mean. It is what it is, but also, get angry, folks. Uh, I think I want to plug, I, I think it was a TED Talk. I'll find it. But it was a billionaire guy who... Uh, he does a TED talk and he calls it. Uh, the guillotines be- are coming. He calls it the pitchforks, but no, he said, it's like beware the pitchforks yeah, are coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it, a good one. Yeah, actually. it's a really good one. But in that talk, he mentions what we mentioned earlier, which is like there's only so many TVs I can buy and so many haircuts I can get and so many mattresses I buy and like so much groceries I use to feed my family. There's only so much economic activity I can put into the system and mm-hmm. the rest of the money just sits there. Growing. Yeah. So his whole argument is like, look, we should figure this out before people get so fucking pissed that they just take everything I've ever earned. So like tax me a little bit more and fund some social programs because I'd rather not deal with the angry mobs that are coming. Yeah. And I think uh, right wing or left wing, we're approaching that point where there's there's a lot of people angry and with no tangible solution yeah with no yeah exactly i think that that's the point is like nothing even in sight yeah like i think you can lie to yourself and think things are changing yeah and i think that's enough to kind of assuage you public opinion may yeah. be slightly changing that yeah. doesn't mean things are changing exactly that has no material if people relation can't see any light at the end of the tunnel that's when shit gets dicey well when you live in a corporate autocracy it doesn't matter what public opinion is yeah. until it gets to a certain point where there's a breaking point and what's that breaking point going to be yeah. It might not ever happen, or it could be in a year. You want to hear something funny I've always thought about? What's that? So this might get a little too sci-fi, but I think the the line will either it'll come before or after two points. It'll either be before the the autocrats have robot armies to completely insulate themselves, or yeah. after that point. Because I think there the the lesson from history is if you have 8,000 angry people versus one, the one always loses. Right. Even if he, even if he hires a few hundred people to protect him, if you've got 100,000 people who are pissed, no. you don't win that. No. But what happens when you have these fucking robot dogs from Boston Dynamics and that front-flipping robot, <laughs> but you attach, like, a gun to it? like, And you have, like, 100,000 bodyguards, like, robot bodyguards around the compound of the rich people. Mm-hmm. Then humanity's fucked. Yeah. So that's just something I've always thought about. It gets a little too, like, futuristic, but... The line where shit's gonna break is either before or after that point, and if it's after that point, we lost. I get uncomfortable every time I see those things, and like not in the yeah. sci-fi way of like the robots themselves are gonna turn on us. Yeah, but like there's already an antagonism in our society. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. who's gonna be able to weaponize that? Yeah. The the people who like built the parts for those things? Yeah. No, it's not gonna be them. Yeah. 
It's going to be the people who paid top dollar mm. for a thousand dog, robot dog army outside of their fortress. Yeah. Or weaponized like, them if they wanted to. The stand my ground law also now applies to drones. If you enter my compound and uh, the, the drone asks you to leave and you don't, it's allowed to stand its ground for me. I what? so hope we're wrong about so many things that we say on this podcast. Holy fuck. I do too, but you know. The scary thing is... We are surprisingly correct in a lot yeah, of these We things. have a good hit rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's what's around the corner because every government has not agreed to ban autonomous warfare. And I think that's a bad <laughs> sign. Like, mm, yeah. I'm not going to sign I think they got yet. China beat on that. So, uh, <laughs> let's see how that out. shakes out. <laughs> well, well, so... Right. McLean's got... I have two things. Cool. Oh, all right, so... Go. I have a slightly improvised. Cool. Um, but then I also have something that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, the presidential, the order of presidential succession. Nick and I had an interesting conversation about this the other night. A little quick, quick deep dive. Um, so we can do that. So I guess I'll let you guys throw it out there. What would you rather do first? Oh, do some succession. Let's get yeah, to that. Succession. Right. Okay. So... I printed you guys these. Ooh, Look at this. High tech. All right, so briefly, the presidential line of succession was first a thing in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6 of the Constitution, <clears throat> saying that um, basically what it is now, right? Yeah. President dies, vice president. Vice president dies. Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House dies. President pro temp of the Senate. And then the cabinet. Mm -hmm. So, in 47, the Presidential Act of 47, uh, the 20th Amendment, Section 3, took out the cabinet. Right? So, okay. But this had a little problem. Um, sometimes there wasn't a... Speaker of the House, and a president pro tem of the Senate fairly often. So this was fixed again when the 25th Amendment was ratified in 67, making it what it is today. Back to very similar to what it was. Um, and that is the president dies, the vice president takes office. The vice and president dies. The 25th also clarifies if you're unable to do your job as president. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so on towards the cabinet, right? So the question was posed, I forget by who, but Nick and I were sitting here drinking some beers the other night, and who comes after the cabinet? Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to the question. We both looked at each other and like, fuck, we should know that. Yeah, that's probably something we should look up. Huh. So um, we did some research... And uh, it's, it's, it's not really clear. There's no one. Um, so there's a weird line here, a gray area, you might say. Mm -hmm. That <clears throat> So first of all, let's lay this out. Why Nick and I were talking about this. We live in 2020, and there's such thing as a fucking national pandemic that's wiping out tons of people. Nuclear bombs, yep, yep. whatever mm -hmm. it could be. And a lot of these people are in old Washington. Balls. Oh. Old as balls. Okay. And Washington, yeah. Together. Washington <laughs> is what I was saying. Exactly. So <laughs> they're either old and they're going to die because they can't handle this. 
or they're all in Washington and a nuke could wipe everyone out. Yeah. So, you have an interesting couple pieces that can be translated one way or the other, right? Everyone dies. The first thing that's going to happen, you'd think, okay, people are going to start nominating new senators yeah, and stuff like that. Right? Yeah. But Senators and representatives. We have right? an interesting little thing. And then the House votes on the new president? Hear me out. Okay. You have secretaries to each of these cabinet members. So they're called Secretary of the Interior, but they have a co-secretary in a way. You can think vice president of this position. Mm-hmm. That person would be launched into this role. Right? So, so the number two at state becomes president? Basically. Mm. Okay. But there's also a law that says you you know yeah, you got nominate yeah. someone and the house. Yeah. The house exactly. Yeah. But there's this fancy little thing that says, um And I think they get this one person vote per state. Something weird like that. Oh, like every congressional member in the in the state decides what their singular what vote. their singular state's vote is. So we turn the house into the senate. So we <laughs> turn we turn the house into the senate, but it would be even in, it it would like imagine you had three Democrats and a Republican representing like I don't know Delaware. Yeah. It, then they I think they have to decide together who their represent. I don't know. That's interesting. Because I know the state decides, but is it the governor or is it their Congress? I I read it was the governor. Okay. I read it was the governor um, because there's a lot. This is very talked about online. Yeah. When I started to do some research on this, I was I, – I remember this. I was like, well, Nick, it's this way. And then like a couple minutes later, yeah. well, no, that counter that, – that, that's this way. Yeah. And then it was kind of confusing, right? So the second at state – by the way it sounds, right? If if I'm like I said, slightly informed, but if I'm reading this correctly, I think long and short of it, we'd have a constitutional crisis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely yeah. would. Power vacuum. The yeah. in second the hegemonic also power of the world. Wipe the Supreme Court because yeah. they're all in Washington too. The, the second at state would become president, mm-hmm. but there's a little bit in the Constitution there that says they will finish the term Hmm. so there's really no weird way so in a way i think the seconds at each of these places are in the presidential line of succession which is quite scary because (laughs) i i have to wonder because i watched the show designated survivor yes that's what i came up brought up when it was talking to i have to wonder if they make sure they're not all in the same place there's always one and that show is correct about that there's always one. but the show did it where it was like specifically tied to the state of the union but i wonder if just overall it's like okay three you're outside of washington go have fun do something i i I think it's literally one literally one it's literally one no i I did some research and this this came up in 2009 um a commission was formed to they're like we have this problem and they pointed out a lot of different times where that wasn't the case so everyone was in washington at one time and everyone's got shit going on and i get that but it's interesting that this hasn't been resolved i also feel like the bunker systems in washington have to be insane 
and combine oh, that with fuck, like they early warning systems, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a, like a secret underground chamber that no, could fit the, the whole house of representatives. Biologically sealed. Yeah, exactly. Hermetically sealed hermetically with sealed. like six months of supply of food and, and water. There and all definitely that. is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely possible. You got like suitcase nukes and shit. Stuff's now, always know? possible. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was just interesting when we were talking about this. We we're like, fuck, this yeah, is fucked. You know. At first, we were thinking, well, does it go to the governors? Like, yeah. go on well, that I think way? A lot of, and... like, in the past, a lot of these jobs weren't, like, full-time jobs. You were, and like, that's the thing. a farmer in Kansas who was also in the Senate three months out of the year. And right. And passed kind of bills and stuff, you know? And that's why uh, in 47 it was changed. Yeah. Because they're like, you know what? They're full-time A lot of these people aren't even in fucking Washington. Yeah. For so long. So then all of a sudden you have to send them a telegram or something, and they're four or five states away. Mm. Like, hey, homie, you're president now. Yeah. Um, and then there's certain periods of time where there isn't a Speaker of the House or President of the Senate. <laughs> so if the President and Vice President died, uh, what's going on? I want to point out the, the level of... Um, uh, Horrifying that this list is. Yeah, real quick. And this is twenty seventeen. Well, this is twenty seventeen, but, but also it's a way more horrifying. It's, <laughs> Donald Trump, of course, is the president. If he goes, it's Mike Pence. More horrifying. Uh, after that, Paul Ryan, mm. Orrin Hatch, Rex Tillerson, Steve Mnuchin, Jim Mathis, Jeff Sessions. All right, Nick, yeah. we're not doing our Halloween special yet. Stop yeah. trying to scare everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrifying list. Um, I would or like even to now point you out, have Donald Trump, Mike, Mike Pence, Pence, Speaker Pelosi, <laughs> and then Mitch McConnell. <laughs> so Ooh, if, if a coup happened against Trump, someone would kill Pelosi. Yeah. yeah. Someone <laughs> would finish that job. It might be a Democrat who kills <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I would like to point out one uh, other thing. Bernie strangles her on the House floor. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going, bitch! <laughs> In uh, 2003, legislation was introduced to move the secretary of... So keep in mind, the cabinet is in order of creation. Yeah, I was going to so, say that because you wouldn't have thought Homeland Security is like last in place. And that's what this is. You 2003, get like agriculture before Homeland Security. Legislation was introduced the to move of the, BA. <laughs> uh, the secretary of Homeland Security from 18 to number 9. And it still hasn't been approved. So... Honestly, I probably, probably trust thing. whoever. Yeah, the Secretary Homeland of Agriculture Security. is yeah. over Homeland Security. Oh. oh, man. Not about trust, but, I mean, you'd think that would come first. And yeah. and there's been legislation oh, yeah. that's gone past it. And this is just that one of those things exist. that uh, nope. that kind of blew my mind. You think mind. that just falls under defense? That's exactly. Well, why do we need it? Yeah. Like, give me one reason we need Homeland Security. Yeah, defense is also defending the homeland. You can combine state and defense and get everything no. that you would get out of out of Homeland Security. Do not combine state and defense. No, no, I'm not saying. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying like, like. All right, Nick. Between those two people, you have you've covered we need everything. Peacekeeping and warring separately. <laughs> that's a very important. Structure. No, but I'm saying that's like that's what Homeland Security yeah. does is a combination oh, of yeah. those two things. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we already their job already is already those. done. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But in this list, Secretary of Housing... It was just response to 9-11, right? Yes, exactly. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Secretary of Veterans Affairs are both in front of Secretary of Homeland Security. Yeah. So, I, I the entire system is kind of fucked. So, it's it's always fun to find where 
one of the many places. I'm kind of wondering what the Secretary of the Treasury does, because that sounds like a medieval position. Like, how much gold do we have in the coffers, boys? Because <laughs> <laughs> you think commerce is more important. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Treasury just reminds me of some like Game of Thrones bullshit where they're like, "We are in debt this much to the Lannisters." <laughs> <laughs> I literally think tre- uh, Secretary of Treasury is just the guy that calls the Fed, the Federal Reserve. Mm. Like, that, like they don't even, so they're not the even the head of the Federal the Reserve. Coffers, yeah. <laughs> they literally just call the guy who no, does. The Federal Reserve man. is it's a, a private, private entity. banking entity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't it wonderful they have control of our currency? That's fantastic. Um, I want to throw out uh, one, a couple funny things I found. So uh, there was a lot of people who had suggestions on what would be a better situation, Mm -hmm. right? And one of these um, was that in this case, all former living presidents would become co-presidents until someone else was elected. I don't hate that idea. Can you imagine <laughs> all living presidents like, in the same room? Carter, one Jimmy step Carter, away from the crypt. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I think we have Carter, Obama, and Bush, Bush W. Right w, because H.W.'s it, gone. Right? Yeah. Yeah. H.W. Oh, took a dirt nap. Oh, and Bill. Yeah. yeah, Bill's on the desk door, too. But... Yeah. God, he's looking terrible. He's looking terrible. That's great. Have you seen... Uh... Mitch recently? You sent oh, those pictures, right? Oh, my God. He looks God. like hell. His hands are fucking black. Yeah. I saw uh, um, the guy who made Mystery Science Theater 3000. He's like, I want to publicly thank whatever coven of witches is placing the age faster <laughs> yeah. spell on Mitch. Or, <laughs> or deteriorate faster spell. Oh, man. <laughs> His last Horcrux has been destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> he is the last Horcrux yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> we need to find Harry. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. All right. Slightly All right. improvised? Slightly improvised. All right. We haven't done this in a long time, so let's go over the rules again. McLean had five minutes to prepare a 10-minute speech to us about a topic. So five minutes of studying, 10 minutes of speaking. There's a lot of bullshit in yeah, there. You got to have uh, some fun with it. John created a five-gallon bucket full of random fucking things. And I definitely random wasn't drunk when people. I did it. He was trashed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't draw the... Uh, History of French wine because I could not talk <laughs> for five minutes. What is a Bordeaux? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Just guess they're all places in France. That's your easy answer. <laughs> all right, so I know have... Grish, place in France. <laughs> Gotta be. <laughs> I have 10 minutes to uh, talk about Ulysses S. Grant. And I'll be fair, it's, well, I'll say it started six seconds ago at uh, 105 on the podcast, so go ahead. Okay, All right. cool. All righty. So, Ulysses S. Grant, his nickname was Sam. Why? Just Sam? <laughs> just Sam. Just Sam. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know if that's a nickname. That's so just this, a preferred name. I don't this know. This <laughs> goes back to his childhood. Um, the older lady down the road uh, liked to call him Sam. Oh, Sam. So, yeah. Um, that's why that is. Um. <laughs> so. Wow, biting. Just, just Off absolutely. To a strong start. <laughs> that was a joke. All right, so he's the 18th president of the United States. He was in office from 69 to 77. <laughs> um, nice. He was a Republican. That does not mean what that does today. No, I was going to say that's um, actually the opposite. So opposite. Yeah. He's, a, he's a Democrat. Um, his, he was born April 27th, 
1822. Damn. And, uh, yeah, died shortly after. <laughs> July 23rd, 1885. So he was kind of, he was an older guy, but he didn't live the longest life. Um, he was this, all of most people know him from this. Um, he was the uh, sixth commanding general of the U.S. Army. No. From 64 to 69. Nice We're talking that 1864. Um, he was the, the northern general. So he took over right after Lincoln was assassinated? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, he was also the Secretary of War from 67 to 68, so he kind of... Secretary of War. <laughs> I like that. We should just divide defense into a secretary of war and a secretary of peace. <laughs> and they can always fight. Just every round table. Yeah. Fuck you, pussy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're invading Syria. No, let's be friends with Syria. <laughs> so he enlisted as a young man mm-hmm. and uh, fought in the Mexican-American War. Mm-hmm. Famous. And if, yep. And then he uh, ended his military service. You know, he was commander-in-chief, whatever, but we won't count that. Ended it as a commanding general in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty big step up there. A um, couple fun facts, I suppose. Um, he was really great with horses. <laughs> what does that Does mean? that remind was, you of Mike Pence? Yeah. <laughs> he was he was known for being really, really good with horses. Like, could, like, like whisperer level or what? <laughs> like, no, could just like, I don't know, break horses. I don't even know what break horses Like mean, Spirit the Stallion? Yeah, yeah. I, something you guys like that. that yeah. There's just wow, some wild... A that's a classic. That was probably one of the first animated movies I saw. That's That was crazy. always one of the movies they put on the goggles in the dentist's office. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was in my dentist. Yeah, I love that movie. I'm going to have to go watch that. That's true. It's like, you can't break his spirit. Um, after Lincoln's assassination, mm-hmm. he became president, right? Yeah. Um, and he de- uh, created the Department of Justice. Cool. Yeah. And spearheaded the uh, prosecution for the, from the... Uh, he prosecuted the KKK. Good. And spearheaded it. So, uh, yeah, he uh, also created Yellowstone. Interesting. Yeah, well, it was. It just dope. wasn't a national park. I would have thought that was a Teddy move, but oh, he created Yellowstone. Teddy, Teddy created the park system. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that wasn't his first. One of the first ones. Uh, what's that one in California? Yosemite. Yeah. Yeah. Yosemite. Yosemite. Yeah, Yeah, because he walked with the mirror or whatever that guy's name. John Muir Trail, yeah. Um, He was married to uh, Harvey Dent's sister, Julia Dent. (laughs) Where's Julia? (laughs) (laughs) They uh, married in 48, and he had four children. Nice. Um, Later, I don't know when he accomplished this probably sometime around when did he die uh like 82 probably yeah. um he uh was the first president to circumnavigate the globe that's kind of cool yeah he did this at he did some of it in his presidency and after his presidency he finished, he finished it. it off but yeah he circumnavigated the globe and hung out with world leaders and uh you know, kind of had a title. He didn't have the title, but in a way, he was Secretary of State. He mm-hmm. was no longer president, but he was still 
uh, in America's Corner, yeah, fighting the good fight, the right? Um, and he has been known as uh, a symbol of national unity. So he's got some bad stuff that I'm going to talk about. But as a whole... He was a president. <laughs> Come on. Well, also, it's the 1800s. <laughs> Not a lot of great yeah. things were happening. So he didn't have advanced racial theory knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you made it halfway through before getting to the bad stuff. That's actually yeah, impressive. That is good. Oh, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm a little more than halfway through. <laughs> oh, there you go. So in a uh, a poll, I don't know who does this poll. Um, I only have five minutes to prepare for this. Raspberry uh, Probably not. But um, there's <laughs> a poll. The Mon- poll. <laughs> <laughs> there's a poll on how uh, influential and was that your phone? That's just heated my phone. Terrible. <laughs> um, just how influential and successful presidents were. Yeah. Right. Ranked on. Favoritism, or you know what I'm talking about. How they um, look back up by history. Public basically. opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Public opinion. Um, in '94, anyone guess what uh, rank he was? Like 1894. No, in 1994. No, 1994. I bet he's in the top 20. He was 38th. Damn. Wow. In '94. Uh, guess what he is in 2018. Top 20. 21. Oh goddamn! Moving on. Moving up the ranks. John. So close. Um. So, I guess I'll talk about how he I mean, died. When you factor in America's favorite president, Donald Trump. <laughs> right. I think that bumps him from twentieth to twenty-one. Yeah, exactly. Most well liked. The kindest two black people outside of maybe Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> At least since Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> um, he died of throat cancer. Hmm. That's pretty fucking rock metal. That's fucking sucks. I'm sure that was probably pretty brutal. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Um, and there is a Grant's tomb in New York City. Ooh. You can go visit Grant's tomb. Um, so we're all going to put that on our bucket list mm-hmm. next year. We're, we're going to come to you live. Come from to Grant's you live tomb. from Grant's tomb. Yeah. It smells funny in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite humid. Visit every dead president and just yell at them on stream. <laughs> <laughs> Just berating them, yeah. sir, sir. Why did you? Why did you not disclose the Agrarian Act of 1913? Oh man. Um, another little fun fact. Um, he liked whiskey. He liked whiskey a lot. Some people might know this. Uh, his favorite whiskey is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It's called Old, Old Crow. Wow. Uh, it's still in production today. Yeah. So uh, I've had some uh, Old Crow before. Sponsor us yeah. Old Crow. Yeah, do We'll it. drink Old we'll Crow on the show. Um, so, yeah. Um, little fun facts here. Um, when Lincoln was still in office, yeah. some people came to him and said, uh, yeah, Ulysses S. Grant is a drunk. Yeah. Like, he drinks a lot. And Lincoln basically said... Okay. All right. Like, you can look up the quotes, and Lincoln just seems like the chillest dude ever. Lincoln was perfect. I think Lincoln was made fun of a lot and bullied a lot, so when he heard bad things about other people, he just assumed it was, like, wrong and a lie. He kept correspondence with Karl Marx. Yeah. Like, there's letters back and forth between them for about four and a half years. Yeah, he didn't trust any of the bullshit. So he was real chill about this situation, right? Mm. And they said, Lincoln says, so he's a drunk. What does he drink? They, rec- they replied, Old Crow. 
Lincoln said, well, I demand you send a barrel of old crow to each of my generals. (laughs) 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 So. That's a power move right there. Yeah, it's super power move. Like, he's like, he's getting shit done. I don't fucking care if he wakes up drunk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. As long as he wakes up, I don't fucking care. (laughs) So, to wrap this up, speaking of whiskey, have you guys ever heard of the Great Whiskey Ring of 1875? It sounds very familiar. No. You've never heard of it? Never heard of it. I totally had heard of this before I looked this up. Um, So, Ulysses S. Grant happened to be tied up in the Great Whiskey Ring of 1875, and he was in his second term with a year left. The Whiskey Ring uh, was a diversion of tax revenue in conspiracy of our... This was government officials <laughs> diverting tax revenue, funneling it through all these distillers for profit. Hmm. So it's pretty fucked up because this was the first one of the first times in American history. Uh, people say at the time in 1875, this was the largest scandal in American politics. So it's a pretty big thing. Now that'd be normal. <laughs> right? Yeah. Come and tell pro, shake it off. It's not that bad. <laughs> They're definitely not doing that anymore. Yeah, right. You know, that was <laughs> yeah, just yeah. A, that was a one-time deal. <laughs> so yeah, it sounded like. I mean, it still is to, to this day. But even back in 1875, a lot of government officials really liked alcohol, and in fact, uh, <laughs> it was kind of weird. After the Civil War, no matter what side you were on, you had a whiskey sponsorship. Like I don't care who you were. I I scrolled through a list of all these different generals and. All this kind of stuff. And on both sides, they all had like four or five different whiskeys. Hmm. The uh, the Grant 63 is a very expensive whiskey, quite sought after. Mm. Um, Stonewall Jackson mm. has a whiskey. Good um, Stonewall. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to go on a kick of trying to... Uh, Drink all these whiskey. Try all these whiskeys. They all sound very expensive, so this is going to take a while. Yeah. But uh, join our Patreon if you want it to happen <laughs> quicker. <laughs> oh god. So yeah, uh, Ulysses S. Grant was a drunk, and that kind of followed him into his presidency. He still drank a lot, and it bit him in the ass. Finally, in the last year of his presidency, when he was involved in the Great Whiskey Ring of 1875. Nice. Wow, and you made it to almost 12 minutes. I, yeah, I got 11.48.95. There you go. So that's a brief history of, oh, and he's on the $50 bill. You want to hear another fun I, fact I, I that I think that. is about Grant? What? But I threw my phone across the room so I couldn't verify. <laughs> um, so the, supposedly he ended his presidency in a time where there was no presidential pensions. So he was basically destitute when he left the presidency. <laughs> And Mark Twain wrote his autobiography and gave him like half the profits for it. I read that. Yeah. So he, he <laughs> had which helped him live out serious, the rest of his life. Serious in, like, money problems comfort. when he left office. Yeah. And there was no presidential pension. Once you were gone, you were just gone, expected to resume normal life. Yeah. And until like the nineteen fifties, presidents didn't do the lame ass bullshit of hopping on boards and just taking fat like fat paychecks from corporate execs. Yeah. So he just had to go back and try to be a farmer. So yeah, Mark Twain. Yeah, he used that money to uh, circumnavigate the globe. There you go. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's a pretty cool thing to say. 
I circumnavigated the globe. It's not cool anymore. It's like taking four flights. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you say circumnavigate. I just kind of like, oh. You say like by balloon. I might be interested. <laughs> See, this is where you lost me with circumnavigate the globe. Sounds like a conspiracy to me. Yeah. Um, so wait, he went from one end, end of the, of the flat, flat earth, earth to, to the, the other end of the flat earth. And then earth, back, and then, they don't connect. No, of course. My daddy's <laughs> the smartest man in the whole flat earth. <laughs> whole flat world. If you haven't seen it, please, for the love of God, go watch Borat 2. Don't be a John. Yeah. Watch the don't whole thing. Don't be a fucking... I watched okay. half of it. Nick and I have seen this movie twice now. <laughs> Walk up to John's house. You see Borat? Oh, I got the halfway through. What? Hey, man. We've watched it twice now. It's been out three days? Yeah, three days. Yeah. <laughs> we watched it twice in a row. Uh, I gotta try again. It's it's a funny movie. It's worth um, it. The payoff yeah. moment that you've probably all seen online in the news and on Twitter is much funnier than you can even they can even yeah. like show you on on TV. Yeah. Like it's it's so good. Personally, I've never laid down on a bed to tuck in my shirt, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> Usually do that standing up, even if I have to unbuckle my pants hey, to get a good tuck. But in. if a but if a fifteen year old girl is offering yeah. to help you mm-hmm. untuck your shirt, right. fifteen? What are you doing? She's way too old for you. <laughs> <laughs> Quote from the movie: Go watch yeah. it. Go watch the movie. It's super funny. It. Uh, I watched it once. Was laughing my ass off. Mm-hmm. Watched it a second time, and it it got more chuckles than I was expecting. Yeah, it's, it's br- definitely a good movie. It, it kind of brings me back to. The Borat days, you know. It does. You learn about a lot. Anything from moon blood. Um, <laughs> to, I'm not gonna go. You on. should probably yeah. just leave it for that. Let's leave it. It's only been out three days. Yeah. We'll talk about it in detail in like two months, because then if you haven't watched it by then, it sucks to suck. Yeah, you. exactly. All right, is that it, boys? Are we wrapping it up? I think that's it. Follow us on Spotify and I, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably start uploading to YouTube again. Follow our Patreon. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing this. I'm making, I'm making a fucking... It's a great running bit. I don't know. I, I really enjoy By it. By the time this comes out, <laughs> we'll we Patreon will have a Patreon. Up. I'm making one tonight. At Slightly Informed. I don't know if it's at there, but... I think it's just. I think it'll just be Slightly Informed. Slightly I don't think informed. there's an app for that one, yeah. Look it up. Yeah. And if you're one of our friends... Uh, I'll text you a link. Yeah, yeah. We'll put a link in the we'll put a link in the description. So if you're listening to this, just go click on the description it's of the like episode. Like they always say, set it and forget it. Just, <laughs> just, just subscribe. Uh, like and subscribe. Yeah. Share with your friends. Right. It's a set it and forget it financial resource <laughs> for us. <laughs> <laughs> All okay. right. Well, thank you for tuning in again. Thank you. And um, we'll shout out on the to other side. our loyal listeners. We love you. Later, love guys. You.